I'll talk to you tonight and next Sunday night about what the blood cannot wash away. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Let's go to Hebrews 9.22. We're talking about things that cannot be forgiven. And before you go any further, don't imagine I'm talking about the, the unpardonable sin. I'm not even going to go there right now. I'm going to talk to you about four things, not only tonight one of them, but four things that, can, that the blood cannot fix. <clears throat> and it'll bless you and it'll convict you. All right, Hebrews 9. Verse 22. Hebrews 9, 22. Here, uh, all right. And almost, circle that word almost. It doesn't say, and all things are by the blood, are by the law purged with blood. It doesn't say that everything is cleansed by the blood. It says almost all things are purged by the blood. With blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. What you doing, buddy? Uh huh. All right. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ, which we kind of touched on a bit this morning, but you could spend a month of Sundays. You could probably spend a year of Sundays just talking about what the blood can do. Uh, thinking about this, this, this sacrifice, this effect. I know what money can do. What if you had a thousand euros to blow right now? I mean, you know you can make a lot of friends real quick, right? What can money do? Well, what could the blood do? Well, it is the most powerful cleansing agent in the universe. You ever gotten a stain on a shirt and you put soap on it, it doesn't work? And then you, you put it in the wash and it's still the stain is still there. And you put it in the wash again. You need a really strong cleansing agent. Well, there is a cleansing agent that can completely wash away sin. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It makes us white as snow. And it is the blood of Christ shed specifically on the cross. He could die no other way. He had to die on the cross so that he could remit. Now, that's a good word. Remit means to erase or remove sin from our record and to bring forgiveness from God. So, the blood, however, cannot cleanse some things. It just, it just doesn't uh, erase some things in our life. Now, I want to talk to you about what the blood first does. Isaiah 118. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Remember how powerful the blood was? God said to Adam and Eve, The day that ye eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall surely what? Now, when he said surely, he didn't say, if I think about it, he meant it. The day. You shall surely die. It was an, a done deal. But what did God provide so that they didn't have to die? The blood. Two lambs right there. So what the blood can wash away. Isaiah 118. Who, who can read that? Who's got that? Open, uh, put your hand up if you read it. Uh, Andrew, read it out real loud, please. Hmm. All right, so you can take something that is stained blood red. There's probably no worse stain than a blood stain. Though it be stained red like crimson, it can be as white as snow. That's awesome. So there are four things that we're talking about what the blood does wash away. First of all, your record. First John. First John, chapter 1. First John, a little Bible study tonight. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. Who's got that? Raise your hand. When you've got 1 John, go ahead, young'un. 1 John, 
Give everybody a chance there to catch up. First John 1 and 7. Wow. Uh, Romans 5 now. Romans chapter 5. Back to the left. Who else is, who's got that? Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Dina, please. Give everybody a chance to grab there. Romans 5, 9. All right, now justified is a term that you use in a courtroom where you're in trouble, where all the evidence is against you and you are already, you are already convicted, you're already guilty. And justified means somebody does something for you to correct that record and make it so the record no longer is against you. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't take a good person and make them better. He took a criminal and justified them. Pardoned them, we would say. Does that make sense? Do you understand? One more, Dean, if you'll look at chapter 8 and verse 1. Isn't that awesome? There is no more condemnation. All right. Now, do I still get in trouble when I sin? Yeah, I, I get chastened. But there's no condemnation, no damnation, no hell for me. Amen? So, my record has been cleared. Is that a good thing? That's the best thing of all. If God stopped right there and says, I cleared your record, you, for all eternity, all you could do is just thank Him. But He does more than that. Secondly, He washes away your resentment. Let me tell you, if this doesn't happen, one of these things is, the, the first one is something that, that, you may not appreciate like you should, but this second one is such a life-changing event that happens. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Who's got that? Dean, verse 12 and 13. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. All right, something happened that the blood of Christ did that nothing else could do, and that was he took you and me and our animosity, our enmity, our separation from God, our resentment, the fact that I don't have God, I don't have hope, and all of that is transformed. Well, all of a sudden, God and me are together again, and what was resentment, what was anger at God becomes joy. Wow, I'm accepted in the Beloved. So the, but, it's, but it's done by the blood. Let me tell you, somebody once said this, you don't have to have emotion to get saved. You don't have to have. But if you don't have emotion because of your salvation, you didn't get saved. I mean, honestly, somebody gets married and they're like, oh, um, okay, I got a woman. You don't deserve her. And when, when people say, oh, I went to church today, I prayed a prayer, a uh, big deal, you didn't get saved. Because if that resentment... If there hasn't been a supernatural change in your attitude, the blood didn't affect you. Do you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you and God, at one moment, were enemies, and you knew you were under the wrath of God, and you want to just run 
But instead, you fall and you cry out, and all of a sudden, there's joy. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ can do. Third, your regrets. This gets good. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. Who's got that? Get somebody on this right side. Get some spirituality here over here with Paul. Eric, sir. Hebrews 9, verse 13 and 14, please. Did you notice verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your what? Nope. Still in verse 7. Or verse... Purge your conscience. I'm not even on the right verse, sorry. Purge your conscience. Okay, in verse 14. So, um, uh, there's something about getting saved that when, 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 you, when you realize just what God has done with your records and, and the lifting of your conscience. In the old days, they talked about it like a sack of sin on your back. There's a story told by a man named John Bunyan, told about a, about a man, and it's an allegory, it's just a story, of a man called Christian. And he carried his sins. It was one day when he got saved, And when he stood up, all of the weight of that sin was gone. The consciousness of the guilt and the shame was gone. What purchased that? What purges our conscience? The blood of Christ. That is revelation. That is revolutionary. It's awesome. (laughs) Chapter 10 and verse 19, still in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Who's got that? John in the back. What? So, do you think about... Um, now, I know nobody in this room have any problem going straight up to end Kenny, <laughs> giving a piece of your mind. But can you imagine going into the throne room of God with the conscience we have? You know what's great about little Connor? Connor's walking around, you know, and he goes up, and he has no conscience of any problems. I mean, you try to stare him down, he'll just stare you back. He, there's no guilty conscience in him at all. I look at, I start to look at Gavin and Gavin starts trying to look away. You know why? Guilty conscience, you know. (laughs) You try to go up to the throne of God and you can go boldly. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that awesome? There's something, all your regrets. How many have a regret? How many have a lot of regrets? Come on, put your hands up. You know there is so much that we sort of, boy, we just wish, oh, can't believe how stupid I was. What the blood of Christ does? Wash away all the regrets. The conscience is clear. Now, you've got an awareness of sin, but you know somebody actually... Is, the last page hasn't been written of your life. God can work all things together for good. You may make a mess out of your life, but God can make it beautiful. Amen? So He fixes your conscience. Fourth thing that the blood of Jesus Christ does, He fixes and washes away the reason for your sinning. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Down to verse 18. Who will read that? Romans chapter 6, Jennifer. Read, you're reading 11 to 18. Read it slowly and 
and let it sink in. All right, we could, we could spend an hour just on those verses, but let me just say this. The blood of Jesus Christ, in His death, made it possible so that you don't have to sin. You don't have to. Now, will you? <laughs> yes, because we love to sin. We love ourselves. We love what we love. But I don't have to sin anymore. It is, it is, it is in me a new nature that doesn't want to sin. Yes, I have my old nature that still wants to sin, but I choose, don't I? I don't have to sin. The blood of Jesus Christ has made it possible for me to go, I'm not going to do that today. Amen. That is so liberating. And you know what's amazing? The most wonderful thing about all this is the blood of Christ is always active. Remember 1 John 1.7? If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth, that's, that's present tense, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The point is this, it constantly is active. Amen. So, so what the blood of Jesus Christ does wash away, that, that's, enough to make, that's enough to make anybody shout. Let me talk about the first thing, that it can't fix. And this is, this is maybe just, just helpful for, for you tonight. But uh, there's something, again, we read Hebrews 9.22. It says, almost all things are purged by the blood. Let's talk about the first thing. First thing, and it's, it's just, let it sink in, sins that aren't there. What do I mean by that? Go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. <clears throat> I call this the ghost of sins past. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. And their sins, God speaking, and iniquities will I remember no more. That's why I wanted to sing that song tonight. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Uh, there is, there is, there's two things we need to, to focus on and understand about trying to get and trying to get forgiven when we've already been forgiven. Does that make sense? There are too many Christians who constantly doubt whether they're saved or not. 
Why? Because they've got, they've got this, this feeling that, I don't know if I prayed right. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm, 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 I'm good enough. Listen. Uh, there, is, there is a sometimes a remembrance of sin. Does anybody ever remember sins they did when they were younger? I know a lot of people who can't get over sins that they did or sins that were done to them. I'll save the sins that were done to them for next week. But there is a remembrance of sins that we have, and the devil's an accuser of the brethren, isn't he? He loves to bring up your old sins. And when he brings up those sins, it is natural, and it is not bad that you all of a sudden go, Oh God, oh I'm so sorry. Amen. That means you're still sensitive. But don't keep playing, praying and saying, Lord, oh God, please forgive me, when he already has. You do not need to carry the burden and the weight of a sin that is already forgiven. Oh, let's go to Hebrews 10.10. Hebrews 10.10. Go back a few. We'll just go through these verses. By the which will, this is God's will, Christ's will, actually, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Question, how many times does Jesus have to die to forgive you for your sins? Once for all. I love that. Um, And by the way, you ought to underline that verse and use it to every Catholic priest you ever meet. The offering of Jesus Christ was how often? Once for all. There's no need for a continuing sacrifice. There's no need for a repeat of the sacrifice. It was once for all. Verse 11, And every priest, this is a great section for you, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which could never take away sins but this man, Jesus, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One sacrifice for sins forever. He, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. He sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And by how many offerings? One offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness for, to, to us. For after that he, said, he had said before that this is the covenant. This is the agreement that I will make with them after those days. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws not into stone anymore, but I'll put it into their hearts and into their minds will I write them. And I, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You need to settle your salvation. The day you got saved was the day that all your sins, past, present, and future, were washed away. That, that's just like, what, what? How can you forgive me for sins that are future? Hey, wait a minute. Every sin you've done is future to the cross already. How many years are we outside of the cross? When was, when was Jesus crucified? Over 2,000 years ago. So every sin you did 20 years ago was future to Christ, wasn't it? So if he could die for a sin you committed 20 years ago, but it was 2,000 years ago to him, ahead, ahead, he's already died for the sins you haven't even yet committed. Don't think that it's crazy. It's awesome. So... <clears throat> He died for past, present, and future. Or else you'd have to get saved again every day. Oh, Lord, I sinned again. You know, I kind of wish I could be Pentecostal. Now, some, some Pentecostals have it down pat. They understand once saved, always saved. But some Pentecostals believe you got, when you, you, that you can lose your salvation. And you know, I kind of wish I could be that way. You know why? Because I'd love to get saved again and again and again. I loved it so much, I just wish I could experience it again. But my sins are Go on. 
You got to settle it. Are you saved or not? If you are, don't let the devil keep digging up dirt. Amen, amen, and amen. You may have something you did today you got to deal with, but don't worry about 10 years ago. Don't worry about two weeks ago if you got it under the blood. The blood cleanses us. It's already forgiven. Now, there are two reasons why people have problems with sin in their lives. Ready? Number one, they never got forgiven. There's some people who come to church and they got a guilty conscience and they go through the motions, they cross themselves, they genuflect, they say the Lord's Prayer, but they've never gotten their sin dealt with. They've never been forgiven. So, of course, they're going to be wondering about their sin. Or, there are some people who've been deceived into thinking you never can be totally forgiven. You don't know how many people that say, well, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm almost there. If I just keep going to Mass, I remember every priest I've ever gotten to witness to, I always ask them a question. This is one of the top three or four questions I think about when I ask them. One is, how many times do I have to go to Mass before I get eternal life? And they're like, we never think of that. (laughs) And I show them John chapter 6 and it says, I give my life, I give my flesh, I give my blood that they might have eternal life. When will I have eternal life? And they go... Well, by the time you're dead. And even then, it's suspect. <laughs> hey, the, the constant doubting of, am I ever really saved? You know what a lot of people think? They're not saved until they get to heaven. Let me tell you this. The wages of sin is death. Who deserves death? I do. I am under, before I'm born again, I'm under the wrath of God. I'm under the condemnation of God. I am destined, predestined for hell. But the gift of God is what? Is he waiting to give me the gift of God until I die? Or does he give it when I ask for Jesus Christ? I got the gift of God, and the gift of God is, not will be, but is eternal life. So a lot of people have been deceived into thinking, well, I'm, never, I'm not really born again yet. I'm not really forgiven. Let me tell you, either you are or you aren't. You better settle it. So get saved... Or if you're saved, get busy. No more worrying about, you know, am I, am I not? I mean, it ought to be settled. Quit worrying about your past sins. All of them are, are, are taken care of. Or else the cross was a joke. Now, let me also say there's false guilt. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse 1. Matthew chapter 15 in verse 1 says, Then came to Jesus the scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, how many of you had parents who said, Wash your hands before you have your dinner? Every one of us. Now that's just smart, but it's not sin. But to the Pharisees, ooh, when, when Peter, James, and John came in and they sat down, oh, they reached for that fried chicken and they reached for those rolls and they reached for the, the beans and the, and the coleslaw and oh man, and the picnic was going and flying the food. And they went, ooh, they forgot to wash their hands. 
Now, I want you to look down to verse 11. 15 to verse 11. Not that, Jesus is speaking, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defileth a man. Down to verse 20. These are the things which defile a man. And he gave, so he gave a list of them. Talked about adultery and um, uh, evil thoughts in verse 19. Go ahead back to verse 19. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth, ruins a man. Now, there is plenty of religious guilt today. There is plenty uh, some people say, they, they, they quote it, or at least they used to, they quote it like it came from the Bible. Cleansing, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. Okay, It's a good idea, but it is not in the Bible. Hey, walking under a ladder, is that sin? It's stupid, but it's not sin. Right? You understand why I say it's stupid? Because you have no idea whether something's going to drop on your head. But it's not sin. How about somebody who says, I haven't done all my decades of beads yet. Oh, you're going on, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed art thou among women. And you go through all of those things and, and, and you feel guilty because you haven't been to Mass in the last few weeks. You haven't been praying through your prayers. There is a false guilt that people have been given from religion. A long list of things that men come up with that are not in the Bible that you have nothing to worry about. All right? Um, and you've got to get that. That's why we're Bible believers here. That's why we're... Listen, you're in a Baptist church. We believe that book tells us what's right or wrong. I don't tell you what's right or wrong. That book does. So when it comes to finding out what you should be guilty of, you better have chapter and verse. Amen? Because somebody come along and say... Anything under the sun. I don't even want to come up with crazy stuff. Because that's what cults do. The cults will come along and say, uh, you know, we the, the, the true church comes from, from Rome. Or the true church is over in Utah in America. or And they come up with things. You've got to wear holy underwear? Who does that? The Mormons. And so people who are not wearing their holy underwear. Can you imagine going to somebody? Are you wearing your holy underwear today, brother? <laughs> I'm not letting you check. <laughs> Come on. False guilt. And you know what? That's what religions are good at. What are we supposed to be good at? Just preaching the truth. Listen, I, if, if, if I want to be guilty, if, I, if, if there's any guilt, I want to be guilty of violating God's laws. Not man's ideas of, did you wash your hands before you ate? Who cares? Who cares? All right? Now, there's, there's, there's religious guilt, and then there's one more, and I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about it now. And there is abusive guilt. And I'll just touch on this. Maybe I'll talk about it more next week. But we live in a day when there is what is, is called transferred guilt or abusive guilt. What that is is where many a child has had false guilt because of problems in their home. When parents are fighting... Guess who feels guilty most? The child. That kid in there is sitting there listening to mom and dad yelling and that kid doesn't go, yeah, dad is so wrong. Dad is so stupid. Dad is really the problem. Like mom's saying. 
You know what the kid says? I'm a problem. I don't belong here. I want to run away. That is called abusive guilt. Let me say this. The blood cannot wash away sins that have already been forgiven. And the blood cannot wash away a false guilt. So here's a child who's grown up and never known love. Always been told, you're an accident. You are a mistake. We didn't plan you. And, and you never amount to anything. And they grow up emotionally abused. And when they pray and they say, Lord, forgive me, there is nothing to forgive. They're not the problem. Mom and dad were the problem. And the arguing and the fighting and, and the, 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 just the attitude of the home. Many a child has been abused. And then their, their abuser blamed them. And you read about it and you know about it. How people groom and they go, they're called pedophiles and they're called molesters. And they take a child and they abuse them. And then they make them feel guilty. You know what I'm talking about? And you know what happens years later? They sit in church and they hear somebody preaching and over and over and over they try to wash away the stain of that guilt. And believe me, they have no guilt. You know, you know who's making money off all this? Psychologists, psychiatrists and all this stuff. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ, if they just got saved, they have no guilt in that mess. What they need is freedom from the bondage of that demon, of that event, and from that man or that abuse. So many children have been emotionally beaten and think of themselves as bad because they've never made their dad happy. They never lived up to their mother's expectations. You know what? There's no need for forgiveness there. The blood is not what you need. The blood can wash away your sin. But their sin, they need to get washed away. I want to stop on that because next week I'll talk more about it. I just want you to see there are, you know, when I'm talking to people, I'm trying to get them saved. You know what I'm dealing with? Layer upon layer of emotional abuse. And they can't even see their own sin. They see what people have done to them and they just can't even see what their real problem is and what their hurt is. So, sins that aren't there, they have no part in that being abused. There are people that have have imposed incredible amount of religious guilt on people. That's not what you need to get forgiven of. The blood doesn't wash away the sin of not washing your hands. It doesn't wash that away. It washes away the sins of a covetous heart or of a, a, a vicious tongue or wandering eyes. But this, on that point, I want to just stop and I'll ask for a question in just a moment. Next week, I'm going to talk about the scars of sin's past. It, you may have your sins forgiven, but you're not going to get the scars washed away. Uh, many a person has ended up uh, losing, um, maybe they, they, they lost their, um, uh, their health, or um, they've, they've you know, uh, experienced the loss of things because of some, some sin in their life. Uh, they lost the ability to have children because they were playing around and fooling around with the world. You can't sit there and say, Lord, please forgive me and give me back what, what, what I lost. No, you may have to live with that scar for the rest of your life. The blood of, the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't wash away your scar. But it does wash away your sin. Thirdly, I'll talk about the sins of the dead. That's going to be fun. Somebody who dies, you can't pray for them anymore. It's done. Either they're in heaven or they're in hell. 
You can't wash away the sins of somebody who's dead. And lastly, sins unconfessed. I'll um, stop there. Who's got a question for me? I know I was going to open up anything. Just get you to understand, especially about uh, the, the, the sins that aren't... Go back. The sins that aren't there. There are plenty of things that the devil will put into your head and, and you're trying to constantly balance and in and, 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 and your understanding and you're trying to constantly keep yourself clean and that's all fine. But there's just something freeing, something liberating that says, you know what? I live, I, I, I live like Peter. Can you imagine if Peter kept coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, boy, uh, last year I really did this thing and Jesus would look at him and say, why are you bringing that up again? And maybe you don't have that problem. Thank God. But half the people I deal with do. They carry all the guilt of all the past. Let me tell you, it's gone. Anybody got a question? Yes, sir. Yeah, because you have two directions that sin affects. My effect towards God, my sin's effect towards God has been fixed, but my sin's effect toward me has not been fixed. For example, I pick up a cigarette, I start smoking a cigarette. It's not going to send me to hell, but it'll send me an early grave. Okay? So what happens when I sin no longer, as a Christian, no longer breaks that fellowship, that relationship, I'm still a son of God. But he has to chasten me, and I still reap what I sow. So I go along and I pick up a beer, and then I drink two, three, four, and then I go get in the car, and I crash the car, and I get into an accident with somebody else and put them in the hospital. All right. My, the consequences of my sin still affect me. And that's where I come to God and I say, God, I did wrong. Amen. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers that. That's all fine. But I'll have to face the consequences, which we'll talk about again next week. So you understand? But as far as God's concerned, I died for that sin too. But now you have to face the responsibility for that stupid action. All right? So we sometimes want a magic God. We want to go and, 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 and do a disaster and then God just erases that and it doesn't happen. Now I have to face it. Anybody else got a question? Tony. Yes, sir. Well, what I'm doing is, what I'm doing is, I'm actually getting my heart right. And it's my heart. When I got saved, I'm asking for the record to be washed. I'm asking for forgiveness complete. But now, when I sin now, I have disobeyed God, and I need to experience a, 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 a freedom from that sin that now has a grip on my life. So it's not like God has to... Just, there's, I'm asking God to forgive me, not for to be saved again, but for my, my... I'm going to use two words, yes. My fellowship to be restored to Him. My relationship, you have a child, you adopt that child into your home... That child does wrong, you don't kick him out. But that child needs to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the dad, I wasn't going to, I, you're always in the house. You're always going to be welcome here. But now we're close again, okay? So there is a, I want to say this, there is a, um, a judicial, it's a, um, uh, there is a, a an, 
a kind of forgiveness that is legal, that's the better word, and then there's practical. And legally, between me and God, forgiveness is a done deal. But practically, I need to experience it on a moment-by-moment basis when I do wrong. God left it that way, or else I would be one arrogant jerk. Walk around saying, I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) I can hurt anybody I want. No, the best thing that ever happens to me is when I repent. Okay? So I'm not getting God, ultimately, to wash away my sin again. I'm getting God to fix my heart and restore me. Does that make sense? It doesn't because we kind of only want one use for the word forgiveness. But it's two. One is toward God and the other one's toward me and towards my attitude towards others. Anybody else? Yes, Bill. Which one? That's right. By assuming the Holy Spirit, that's right. I know, and I, on purpose, I said at the beginning, don't even go over there because that's a whole other thought. I want to be real practical because there's nobody in this room who can commit the unpardonable sin, okay? It's a very complicated sin to commit, and so I, I just want to deal with what is very practical, and that is a lot of people, when they pray, they need to know, are they saved? If they are, you don't need to keep digging up old sins. Now, if you yelled at Geraldine, you tripped her, and... You know, and, uh, you know, try to poison her. You need to apologize, and they need to confess that sin to God, okay? But God died for every one of your sins. And he's already removed it from your record in heaven, but it hasn't been removed from the record of your heart. And you're very aware of it, and you need to humble yourself and say, God, I want this washed in. I want my heart cleansed from what I just did, or from what I just watched, or from what I just said. Please forgive me, okay? So, yes, ma'am. That's what he was just talking about. Yes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated for a reason. I'm not going to take any time. Can I, can I just be very brief? The sin against the Holy Ghost, to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, is something that only can be done during the tribulation, when the Antichrist is on the world, on the earth, and people are choosing to make him the Messiah, and they are blaspheming Jesus and saying that Jesus was filled with the unclean spirit, with an ungodly spirit, and people don't understand how to do that. You know, some people say, "I blaspheme Jesus." They have no idea what they're saying, but they actually they only have done half of the equation. You also have to take a mark to damn your soul. That cannot be forgiven. I'll take you to one place and we'll try to settle this thing. Second Thessalonians. There's only one time where God makes it so that somebody cannot get saved, cannot get forgiven, and is during the tribulation. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Verse 
In verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So we're dealing with the second coming. Who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God. Who are we talking about? The Antichrist. And he opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worship. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God. Is the temple rebuilt right now? Okay, so we're dealing with something in the future. Sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Is the Antichrist here? Not yet. Remember ye not that while I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Something is holding everything back until the right time when the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. For the mystery of iniquity, now it's already at work, but it's only in a mysterious form. It's not in a literal physical form yet. Only he who now letteth, the Holy Spirit, will let, will stay in control until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, capital W, that wicked one, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So there, there's the first thing. You, now, a lot of people reject the truth, okay? These people have rejected the truth that, that could have saved them. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they might all be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So who's, so you have a temple, you have an antichrist, and you have a world who is not interested in Jesus Christ. They don't want the truth. And so God gives them a, 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 a um, what's that? A delusion, thank you. A delusion, a, a messed up mind, so that they cannot get saved. And that's when they're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And Jesus never said to the Pharisees, you've blasphemed. He says, you're close to doing it. They didn't even know how to do it. Because there was one person missing when they were blaspheming Jesus and saying that he was full of Beelzebub. And that was they didn't have the Antichrist to turn to and say, now that is the Messiah. Now, when it all comes to play in the, in, in, in the tribulation, that's when people will be blaspheming the Holy Ghost all the time. All right? So that sin is another one that cannot be forgiven. Agreed. Agreed. But that's not practical to us because nobody in this room needs to worry about blaspheming the Holy Ghost. I have been in churches where if you ask for a proof of a miracle, they said, they said, you are challenging the Holy Spirit. And you go, no, I'm challenging you. <laughs> I'm just asking you, you just said so-and-so got healed. And they say that you are close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost. No, I just want proof because I want to believe. But if you can't prove it, then don't claim it. All right? There are plenty of people who claim miracles, and if you question them, they call you demon-possessed. And you go, no, I'm just wanting to prove. So that's my point. Don't use that as, as a worry. There's nobody in this room needs to worry about committing the sin, the unpardonable sin. You couldn't do it if you tried. You couldn't do it, okay? All right. Yes, sir, quick. Um, 
I don't know. I always take them to Hebrews chapter 10. Depends on what their mindset is. You just take it to John 3.16. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. Not hope for, but have everlasting life. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And just deal with that. Say, look, you may be struggling with sin, but do you have eternal life? Yes, good. Once they understand that, then take them to Hebrews and say, how'd you get eternal life? Somebody took all of your sins once for all. And there's no more sin on your record anymore. And you may not, can I, you, ask me this question. Do you understand that, Pastor? Say it to me. Do you understand that, Pastor? No. But I sure do love it. Amen? I sure do love it. Don't sit there and say, oh, I understand it. No, no, no. You couldn't understand all of the workings of God. I just sit back and I just say, thank you, praise you, wow. All right? Think about this. How is God, who's infinite, how does he take all of my sin, everything, and throw it behind his back? How does he do that? He just does. He never looks back. And yet he's omniscient. How does a God who knows everything, how does he forget? I don't know. I just know he does. So, that's why some people, just like I said this morning, they just need to get a good awe of God. And then they'll go, I guess I'm okay. All right. We're going to sing. Grab your hymnal 110. Or 210, sorry. 210 as we stand and we finish. 210. Saved by the blood. <laughs>